the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for lending me those ears, man. If you're watching me on the video platform, man, thank you for lending me those eyeballs. Because today, I got Luigi Prestonenzi. I think I got that right. Luigi, how are you doing? Luigi, all the way from Australia, folks. How are you doing, Luigi? Brother, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm pumped to be on your podcast, man. I've listened to so many episodes. And to be a guest is just, it's a milestone in the, in the, in my career, mate. Well, it's funny. It's funny. I, I think I told you this on the pre-interview. And that is that what I loved about our interview, when you interviewed me, was our post-interview because I got to know you better. And so before yeah. we get into this topic of selling, you know, let people know a little bit. How did you get, how did you get into sales in the first place? Yeah, thanks for asking the question, man. It's um, it's not so, you know, it's funny. I haven't really shared my, even though I've got my own podcast, Victor, as as you were an awesome guest. I haven't really shared my uh, my full story. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't go very well at school. So maybe fortunately, probably fortunately, but um, so I fell into you know, contact sales um in a call center, straight out of school, did a bit of door to door, but it was kind of looked uh, frowned upon, you know, um door knocking and, and commission only sales so i thought you know what i need to i need to get out i need to take it up a step and i wanted to become a, a sales rep you know the the sales rep that called on businesses victor that got their car and they drove around they did their call cycles and I was working with, i won't, won't name the company's name but working with a, a large organization in australia i finally got into their uh inside sales team like a internal call center role and i thought that could be the stepping stone to becoming a sales rep and after four attempts of going for the sales rep role, I was told, you're not good at sales, probably don't apply again, all right? So, and that was a bit heartbreaking for me because that's what I had my, my um, you know, I didn't have education. They said probably go back to uni. Um, I had some health issues growing up. Um, I had cancer when I was a bit younger. So um, from the age of sort of 20 to 23, uh, that was where I thought I'd, I'd be able to get in, get myself into a sales rep role. I, I sort of had this picture of what success would look like. And so that was a big sort of stab in that, you know, kind of hit me hard. Like, what am I going to do? I don't have education. I'll go back to uni. And then I decided to go back to uni and, and, and um, or go to uni because I, I hadn't gone to uni. And three months into my course, I got sick again, not to stop. And, um, and, you know, mid twenties had to find myself, uh, or early twenties had to find myself a, a job, and I got myself into an admin role of a training business. And um, before too long, I was selling. Now, fast forward uh, seven years, that exact company that said to me I couldn't sell, I ended up signing a check with them, or they ended up me signing a contract for three and a half million dollars for them for us to train their company. And then fast forward a twelve. <laughs> 12 months later, I turned that $3.5 million opportunity into a $20 million opportunity for a global business across Southeast Asia. And um, the exact people that said I couldn't sell or that exact person that said I couldn't sell was still in that role, hadn't moved, and I had obviously changed quite a bit over that period of time. Um, so fast forward again, you know, my whole life has been in sales and the best thing that ever happened to me was being told I couldn't sell. Um at the time, I didn't realize how important that feedback was, um, but it was a catalyst to create that internal driver for me to prove her wrong, which is probably the wrong thing to do, but um, 
you know, really created a desire and, and motivation for me to, to be the best I could be in the world of selling. But what was it? I, you know, this is, you know, when somebody tells you you can't sell, says you can't sell, I mean, that, that's like, yeah. very like, you know, and, but what, besides trying to like show proof to somebody else, what kept you going? I mean, most people would give up. I know most, I said, I know there's somebody right now listening where somebody says, dude, you probably can't sell. I mean, but what kept you like, you know what I mean? What kept you in the game? What kept you going moving forward? Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. Like, I think I always had that, that nous, you know, when I was at school, I was always hustling. Um, and when I was selling door to door or selling on the phones, I was always good on the phones. You know, there was something about the phones that I was really good at, you know, 17, 18 years old on the phone, you know, selling to, you know, mums and dads, like we're selling B2C products, residential products and stuff. But I think what kept me going just to, um, I had a very strong why, right? I had a family. And uh, for me, I had a, I had to, I had a point to prove, not with other people, but with myself. Yeah, and um, I had a very compelling, compelling reason to take action. No, no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just Sorry, on, on the family piece, I'm curious. On the family piece, it's like, what do you mean that you had a family? You know, I mean, walk me through that. I mean, were you guys like super poor? Did you have kids? I mean, what was going on at the time? So my daughter just turned 18 last week, and um, so I was a young dad, mate. I was a dad at 20 years old, and uh, it was, um, you know, coming from an Italian household, Victor, you'd appreciate this is, is you know, for me, supporting my family was was, an, it was, a, was, it was massive. Like it wasn't a – it was a non-negotiable. Um, and so having, a, having a, a child at such an early age, I needed to make sure I wanted to give him the best life that I could. Um, so that was a major motivator for me to to create a life and, uh, you know, to, so they could springboard off. Yeah. So so had a child at 22, right? Correct? I want to make sure I heard that right. 20, 20 years old. Tw- 20 yeah. years old. And that's I, I, I could feel yeah. the pressure from here, Matt. When did you find out that you had cancer and how did you find out? So I was actually going for uh, a job and they it was a medical. And I uh, went to the docs and the docs found a lump in my neck just here and um, and said to me, you better go get that checked out. Now, I didn't get it checked out. I was, I was 19 years old. I'm like, what could it be, right? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm my man, mate. You know, nothing could happen to me. Nothing could go wrong. And after a couple of months, I started I started getting tired and um, and actually that doctor rang me back. He said, have you got that thing checked out? I said, no, nah, I haven't got it checked out. He's like, man, you've got to get it to go checked out. So I went to go get it checked out and as it was, I had cancer. It was in my uh, in my lymph nodes. Um, and then uh, it set off a, a chain of, of treatment for the next 12 months of chemo, radio and a few other bits and pieces. Um, and uh, I probably didn't really appreciate Again, that was another time I, I didn't appreciate at the time when, when I was told by Lorraine that I couldn't sell and I didn't appreciate at the time when I was going through treatment um, how much of a powerful impact that, that, that was going to have on my life, right? Um, because when, you, when you're sick, when you can't do shit, when you're, when you're stuck, um, you want more, right? <laughs> you don't want to be in that position, yeah? Um, and even the basic wasn't it wasn't like I wanted money, Victor. It wasn't like I wanted. I just wanted to be fit. I wanted to get out. I wanted to run. There was stuff I wanted to do that I couldn't do that my body was preventing me from doing. Um, and uh, you know, and that sort of created a real desire 
and, and, and a burning desire within to just do more, like, you know, just to get out there. I, you know, and I'm going to superimpose what I think I'm hearing. Was that anger driving you, though? Was that like anger, you know, when you can't like do something and then somebody tells you, you can't do something, you're like, you know what? Screw you. Is that is that the the the, the Italian gene somewhere back there going, all right, enough of this? I mean, what was it? Yeah. I think I think there's a yeah, I think there's a bit of anger. I think there's always and I know that we're meant to manage our emotions, you know, and people manage their emotions in, in, in certain ways, but yeah, I think there was a bit of anger. Um I think at the time it was such a it was such a kind of I wasn't really truly understanding exactly what was happening and and I think it took me a bit of time to really realize the full impact and you know you look at the glass half full you know meth- people go glass half full but I think it wasn't until a couple of years later I, I realized how important that was in my life like that that was such an important part of my life um, and I, I wouldn't change it. If somebody said, would you go back and, and change it and not have it, I'd say no because it helped me be the person that I am today. Just like, um, you know, the things that happen to us in life, Victor, like things that maybe could be perceived as a negative, there's actually a massive positive in it, right? Um, it created that desire. It created that hunger. Um, it gave me a thirst for knowledge. Like because I struggled at school, I needed to read books. You know, Jim Cathcart's Relationship Selling, one of the best books that I read when I was, like, 17, 18 years old. Like, it, it, it gave me that thirst for learning, you know. I couldn't learn in school in the way that I needed to. I needed to find another way, right? Um, and so, again, I think that particular part of my life, if I, when I look back, it's what's, it's what's helped me become who I am today, right? Um when I ran marathons, because I, I decided to run marathons, you know, when, you, when you're going through the, you, you're trying to break the wall at 38 Ks or, you know, the 20, 21 mile mark, um, you know, you, you, you realize that these are the things that help you persevere through it, right? Yeah, man. So, so by the way, big shout out to Jim Cathcart, Relationship Selling. He's one of the, I call him one of the original sales gangsters. You know what I mean? Like when you look at like a Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, you got a you got a you got a Cathcart, Brian Tracy, I, I, you know Wayne Dyer, some of those mad men. You know what I mean? Like the original sales gangsters, I'll call them. So big shout out to Jim Cathcart, man. And so you decided to run. Why? Why did you decide to run a marathon? So after all this, you want to run a marathon? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't I wasn't healthy. Like, you know, my body had gone through some pretty big trauma. Um, you took steroids. I had to take steroids for two years. I was not healthy um, physically, mentally, and I needed to I needed to get myself, you know, when I, when I looked at my order of priorities, I said, yeah, and being a dad was number one, but it actually wasn't number one because how could I be a dad if my body and my mind wasn't able to, wasn't able to be there for my kids? So what was number one? My number one was health. How to be healthy? Then I wanted to. I wanted to exercise. I needed to eat healthy. And then, as it turned out, I, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to challenge five k's, ten k's, fifteen k's, twenty k's, thirty k's. And before too long, I found a real good network of runners that they were all pushing themselves. This is what I mean. Like thing that I love about selling, right? And this is what I love about what we do, Victor. Is you you know if if you if the, your network, the people that you surround yourself with will elevate you. 
I don't want to be I don't want to be number one at a at a at a team of one. Right? I want to be in a team of incredibly high performers that are gonna keep pushing me up. Right? That's what I loved about the running community, because I was running with people that were faster than me, that were fitter than me, but guess what? I tried to keep up. And every day I got fitter. I got a bit fitter. I got a bit fitter. And I'd push myself and I'll push myself. Same with selling, right? That's where you started transactional sales, 10 grand sales, 50 grand sales, 100 grand sales, million dollar sales. Like I just wanted to keep getting better. I wanted, and then I, I created myself a little mastermind um, of sales pros from different industries. It was the best thing that I did, you know, in my mid-20s. I had a guy from um, SAP, SAP, incredible. He was the number one globally. Um, I had another guy from Print Sales, another guy from t- another tech guy, and we actually came together. We came together once a month. And we just shared ideas. We, 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 we mapped opportunities. We spoke about contacts. It was like LinkedIn networking, right? But before it happened, we were doing it in a room and just, it was awesome. And, and they were pushing me to be better, right? And helping me challenge my thinking. Um, and I think that's what I love about the running. That's what I love about fitness. You know, it's about pushing yourself. And, 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 and again, that's what I love about sales is no matter what happens today, I have an opportunity to do it again. Right, and you can get a thousand no's, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, um, and we've always got an opportunity to improve your craft. No, I, I love that, man. So, so t- you're running at this time. Your body's in shape now. Your mind's straight, right? What are you doing at this time? I mean, what what mm-hmm. gig do you have at this time? What are you doing at this point? Yeah, so I was selling education. I've been selling education for geez, nearly fifteen years. Um, in corporate world, you know, selling education to corporates, um, leadership training, sales training, um, business improvement training. And, uh, and so I'm out there, I'm working, I'm a business development manager. And my results, I was number one in the country for, for one of the biggest education firms in Australia. And then I became, they gave me the, the management role to say, you're number one, you might as well run the team. And then I got headhunted from another company to, 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 to head up their business development function. Um, and I lo- look, I love leading, but I got more of a thrill from the selling component, yeah. I, I love being out there and just putting deals together and and, and, and leading is great. Like, don't get me wrong, I've, I've, I've led some pretty big teams now in my career um, across different channels, you know, contact centres, door-to-door. But for me, the thrill of the sale, there's nothing better. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's not about the feel of the sale because you get commission. You've got nothing to do with the commission. Um, for me, the commission never drove me to put the deal together. Um, I just got off a call with one of my best mates who was um, my biggest client 10 years ago, News Corporation, my biggest deal at the time, nearly $10 million. Um, we've become best mates and uh, and he's the executive director. Um, we've ran a marathon together. We've travelled together. That's why I love what we do because we don't make a sale; we create a customer, right? Every time the mindset time. we t- we when you, when we, you look, yeah. No, no. By the way, per- perfect on the transition. So, so tell me what you see out there. When, when you, I see, you know, right now there's somebody struggling with their sales, Luigi. I know there's somebody listening right now. They're struggling with their yeah. sales. Uh, you know, what would be your plan if you had to coach this person? Said, look, all right, here's what you need to do. And I know I'm giving you a broad question here. You can go anywhere you want with this question. But what do you say to people who are struggling in selling, who just started in selling and are just trying to get going? You know, what 
If you had a one-on-one with him, what would that conversation sound like? First and foremost is let's not write, let's 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 forget about the results. The results are irrelevant, right? The result is an outcome of the actions that we take. The actions are is good old Jim Rohn. The actions are a result of the thoughts that we have in the head. You know, in our head, the thoughts come from the attitude and our mindset. And and, and go back to the attitude and mindset. And a lot of the times, I find that sometimes people are, are struggling because their reason for what they do. Um, why they're in sales isn't clear. They're in sales for making money. And I know people say, yeah, but that's what it's all about. And I remember you at Outbound, you're like, who's here? You know, I remember that first thing you said, you know, who wants to make money? And, you know, who's here not to make money? You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I think fundamentally, if you go in focused on making money, you're focusing on your own need. I think first and foremost, you've got to be thinking about, well, what's my, what, what is the mindset that I need to take into this role? First and foremost, once I understand my mindset, you know, what are the metrics that I need to, I need to measure to actually achieve the outcome I'm looking for? Because the outcome is a result of the hard work that we put in. And, and again, usually when I do that coaching session with a team or individuals, and I do this with, with, with teams all the time, it's they haven't got those, those measurements of mm-hmm. success. They haven't got that. It's not clear. And when it's not clear, then you're having roller coaster results. And again, we go back. What is the mindset of a sales professional foremost? And then what are the metrics for success? Yeah, I, I love what you said because, you know, too often you hear people, yeah, what's your why? But I really think there has to be this something like, wh- why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Right? And I, and Absolutely. There's the, the internal reason is I'm doing it obviously for me to benefit me somehow. But more importantly, when I sell something, you know, to a client, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to help you. And I love what you said. You know, don't focus on the results. Focus on the activities. Those are your metrics that you're talking about. So if you put that, the activities together and you slam them together, the rest will take care of itself. Does that resonate? I say, you know, I've got the very simple methodology, right? Well, maybe not methodology, but it's a very simple process. Image, pipeline, sales. And when I say image, I don't mean like the way we dress. Yes, it's important. If we're going into, if you're going into corporate world, you've got to dress like corporate. If you're going to a manufacturing plant, you've got to meet, you know, you've got to kind of wear the, the appropriate clothing to where you're going. But when I mean by image, it's how are we starting the day? What message are we putting in our mind? How are we preparing for success? That's the very, that's the foundation of what we do. Next thing, pipeline. Like, how am I actually creating a pipeline that's going to enable me to have a sustainable career, right? Then the sale comes. I say magic. If you get the first two, magic happens, right? <laughs> Instead of focusing on the result. <laughs> I love. You, I, I love. That. I've never thought about the 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 self image, like focusing on the self image. Can, can you expand on that a little bit? Mm. Absolutely. How, you know, I can't remember who says it, but your brand is not what you say. It's what people say when you're not around, right? And I could say that. How do I want my prospects and customers to talk about the experience they had with me? Now, I asked them. I just had a client recently. I asked him, why, like, what made you buy from us or what, what part of the sales process stood out for you? You've got to ask them these questions, why they buy, why they don't buy, because there's incredible insight that you can get. 
And that image, like I want to show them that I'm following a process. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to show them that I have a really clear mindset when it comes to selling. I have a view on what great selling is. I, I love the fact that you ask people, why did you buy? And then you also ask them, if you didn't get the deal, why didn't you buy? It's such a simple strategy, but, you know, again, a few people execute on that. And so I love the fact that you highlighted that, man. That's, that's uh, like I said, I really dig that. What do you think a lot of salespeople are doing wrong, Luigi, today? What do you think a lot of salespeople who are trying to connect, let's say, in a B2B space, what do you think they're doing wrong? You know, I've actually, I have, I've put a lot of thought to this, right? And, and the reason why I put a lot of thought to this, Victor, and I think you've probably seen this as well, the tech space, the SaaS, you know, the whole love affair with SDRs and BDRs and breaking down the, the sales process into segments and then allocating people key roles, right, and getting all the tech stock, technology stacks going and Zoom info here and basically what we've done, we've removed We've removed key functions of the role that we think, oh, we want to automate that. But we actually forget that a salesperson's ability to go and build their own list, to be curious, to go and hunt, to go and look through reports and and actually kind of really try to think about who they're targeting, that's a skill that they need in order to be successful. And we think, oh, we'll just give them Zoom Info. We'll give them Sales Navigator. We give them all these tools to build their list so they can get their list and they can perform the function really quick. Hang on, we're missing the key learning that comes through this. Great sellers are curious. And it's like you try to, you know, they join the dots and they look, this person worked here and he might be connected to there. And I might read the report. I used to, I used to read company reports. I still do it, right? Just try to find some insight and some learning that enables me to create a narrative to engage with them, right? And I think fundamentally we have this expectation that you know, a salesperson come into a business, we'll train them for a couple of days, give them an induction, and then off they go. And we expect them to deliver a return, right? So I think, A, companies are investing, I, I believe, they're not investing enough time really thinking about how do they develop their, their salespeople. We're bringing people in early into SDR roles that are fresh out of uni and not equipping them with the right skills, knowledge to be successful. And then we're creating bad habits. We're creating um, bad habits for our sales teams and then wondering why we're not getting the results. And even before the pandemic, what was it? 50 to 60% of sales teams weren't hitting target. So fundamentally, something was broken before the pandemic, <laughs> right? You're the first person to frame the word curious. You know what I mean? Like really frame it the way you framed it, that we have to be curious when it comes to selling. Because I think that's a skill that most people don't teach. And, and that has to come from you. Nobody can teach you that. Intuition, right? My, um, you know, that intuition is so important in the sales process. And I think, again, we, 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 we forget that the curiosity leads to great discovery. And if you want to close, if you want a great closing technique, ask a great question. You know, you want to handle an objection. People talk about objection handling. Ask a great question, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Be curious, go deeper. And I think, again, we, we lack that um, the hunger or, you know, that, that curiosity. And, and, it, and I take this, again, it goes back to a mindset. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to keep going back to mindset, but if I have a, a, a true mindset of my objective here 
is not to progress the deal. It's to have a better understanding of what they're trying to achieve. And when I have a clear understanding of what they're trying to achieve and who's trying to achieve it and what they've achieved in the past and what hasn't worked, then I'm in a position when I can actually start to add some value and deliver some insight and actually provide a roadmap for them on how they can achieve that future state. And you talk about this all the time, right? Like you talk about that. You've got to find the why before people buy. And if we don't find the why before people buy, all we're doing is we're advocating something that we, because it helps meet our needs. Right, and then we can't, yeah. we can't, because then if we're focused on our needs, we're not focused on their needs. So I just I took it back a step, like curiosity. I want to have a great discovery. I want to learn more. I want to know the impact of what of what of what that is. Uh, by the way, I love the way you said it because it's almost like uh, the joke I use. It's always like it's foreplay, right? We got to extend <laughs> the foreplay. Like sometimes we just want to sell. Like get yeah. in, not, let's just sell, and. and and I think the I think as we get older, we learn to be more patient. Younger salespeople just want to go in, cut the deal, write the che- you know, get the commission check. And there is something to that. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes they make. How do you think people, salespeople today, are abusing or using correctly social media? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think, and that term social selling, I know it's still branded, and I do believe. I don't. I just believe it's just another channel of selling, right? Like, um, and and you don't. The sale doesn't occur on that channel. And some people might argue with me on that and say, "Well, yeah, I'm doing deals on on social, and, and fantastic if you're doing deals on social." But I don't know, Victor. I think um, you know, in order to have to build a, a true relationship, we need to take it offline, right? We need to take it into a into a human to human environment. Um, and I think that's what we've learned through this whole pandemic. Yeah, you can you can definitely virtually sell. You can definitely jump on Zoom, but people need to engage with people, right? Um, and especially like great sellers can make it rain, man. And that's what I like about Mike Weinberg. He talks about their rainmakers. They can make it. I don't think the top four or five opportunities in my career, the biggest, were never budgeted for. They were never. The company never had a budget for them, right? They never searched for what I was selling. I proactively engage with them. I then help them identify and help them consider an unrecognized need. I then worked with them to create an internal business case for change. I then helped them get it to a point of decision. So that's me reaching out to someone and having a conversation and building a relationship over a period of time. I'm not sure you can do that in a chat or a text message. I I, got to tell you that right there is probably the best example of 100% unadulterated, uncut, unfiltered selling. When you go in there and create a need, build a business case, and then help them find the money or help them want to create a budget for what you're selling and then pull the trigger and execute. That right there is like 100% straight up unfiltered selling right there. <laughs> yeah, but think about it, right? Like if you're running a company and you go, well, I can, I can just switch on a, a demand gen campaign, I can bring leads in and then we can sell to them. That's not selling, right? Because you're creating like – You've got people that are order takers. Now, yes, there's a, there's a premise to that. You've got to create a framework, and I do this all the time for companies spending 
serious coin on inbound that still get low conversions, right? So you need a proper cadence for that. But but I want I want sellers, I want great sellers that are going to go out there and they're going to find the opportunities that aren't searching for what you've got, right? Because there is a ton of people out there, and and I, I say it like, and it's not about going well. You're un, you're going and unselling unsolicited stuff, no. Because if I know I can help a company improve and improve their bottom line by achieving A, B, or C, and it helps them grow into a new market or it helps them expand their business, why wouldn't I want to go and talk to them about it? Why wouldn't I want to go and engage with that CEO and have a chat with him about it if I can help them, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm listening to you. You know, I'm, I'm like really listening to you and enjoying, loving this conversation, enjoying this conversation. And what comes across is like straight up conviction. You know, we talk about <laughs> being curious, right? Wanting to find out. But you, know, you have to have that conviction. Would you agree that there's got to be that like, look, you need this. Let me help you. <laughs> you know, there's got to be that. Yeah, I mean, look, and you know what? Um you got to have conviction, right? And that's okay. You've got to believe. If you don't believe, how the hell are other people going to believe in what you've got to offer? I said this, and, and an old mentor of mine used to tell me this, like the biggest objection you will never overcome is the objection that you haven't overcome. Like you can't have your customers, you can't ask them to overcome an objection if you haven't overcome that objection yourself. So if you don't believe in the product and you're asking people to buy a product you don't believe in, and I, we deal with it. We probably see this all the time, Victor. I mean, I see it all the time. I see customers that are selling something. They don't believe in the product. They think it's too expensive. Well, if they you think it's tell. too expensive, yeah. how the hell is their prospect going to go <laughs> see value in the product that they've got? If you can't see value and you're selling it every day, the customers buy our products most of the time once or twice in their lifetime, right? They don't know how to buy our product. Right. And, and that right there, it, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up here, Luigi, but that right there should be the topic of our next interview, which is how do we help <laughs> buyers buy? Because I think that's where the market's going, right? How do we help buyers buy? And I love what you said earlier about, you know, you, 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 you figure you highlight a need for a company, as you pointed out, and then you help them build a business yeah. case. That's how them buy. And so I want, let, let's do that in part two of our interview. We're going to do this again. There's part two coming, folks. And so anyway, Luigi, tell them a little, uh, my fans here, a little bit about yourself, where they can find out more information. And I'm just telling you, look up Luigi. He's the real deal. It's a real deal. That's all I'm saying. Luigi, let them know where they can find you. So I, uh, I have a podcast, uh, the Sales IQ podcast I'm pretty passionate about. Um, and we're going to turn it on its head next year. I'm really excited about it. Um, plus, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, they're probably the, the two places that I'm most active. Um, but LinkedIn and the podcast is, is, is where I'm trying to, you know, help sellers be the best sales professionals they can be. And that is the Sales IQ podcast. Let me repeat that for the folks. Luigi Prestonenzi, yeah. the Sales IQ podcast. Look him up. By the way, the, the guests you've had, aside from me, the guests you've had on your podcast are like exceptional salespeople and, and business leaders. So again, Sales IQ. Look up Luigi, and that is it for the Sales Influence Podcast. Leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you find me. Also, check out Luigi. Check him out on LinkedIn. And also, again, the Sales IQ Podcast. And after you do that, check out the Sales Velocity Academy, where I have 50 courses over 500 videos to help you sell more faster. And on that note, this is Victor Antonio with my friend Luigi, always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how.
Take care. 